You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Stoked. The word stoked, maybe the older you are, stoked is something you do to a fire, poke it, you stir it up, you feed it maybe. But it can also be a phrase that's used today to mean exhilarated or excited. You're really stoked about something. Now, here's a question I want to start with. Are you stoked about what Jesus has done for you? Now, I got a few amens out of that, but there may have been a few, I guess. You know, if you really stopped and think, well, there's nothing really that stirs when you ask that question. And maybe if I thought about it a little bit, I could come up with something. But it's fascinating to me when you meet somebody who is, if you're with somebody who's just become a Christian, for instance, they're pretty stoked. And when you've discovered for the first time in your life that God loved you so much and loves you so much that he would have sent his only son to live, die on a cross, be buried and raised from the dead, that all the stuff you've done in your life, all your screw-ups have been completely forgiven, your slate is clean. Let me tell you something. If you've been carrying a load of guilt and shame and pain around your whole life and all of a sudden that's lifted, you're going to be pretty stoked. You're going to be excited. But then something happens almost to all Christians. They get stoked And then they stop getting stoked and things settle down and they stop thinking about it and they start taking things for granted and just assuming, well, yeah, I'm going to heaven and I'm making the best of it. Well, sure, I'll tell somebody about Jesus if I have to, but there's nothing exciting. There's nothing exhilarating. Now, is there a way to stay stoked about Jesus? Now, hopefully by the time we're done today, I'm going to show you some ways to do this. And I'm not talking about being on some high all the time with goosebumps and warm fuzzies. But there's a way to every day get stoked and stay stoked about what's going on in your relationship with God. James Arthur Baldwin said, fires can't be made with dead embers, nor can enthusiasm be stirred by spiritless men. Enthusiasm in our daily work lightens effort and turns even labor into pleasant tasks. The word remember, and we're going to focus in on this thing about remembering things today a little bit. The word remember is made up of two words, re, which means again, and memorare, which means to be mindful of. So to remember something is to be mindful of something again. I'd like you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8, and I'm going to read you a pretty painful account of why it is important to remember and what happens when we don't. And we all have this tendency to forget, and there's a lot of stuff in the Bible about remembering, and you'll see here in a minute why by the time we're done, hopefully. Deuteronomy 8, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. If you've got a table of contents, look up the page number in the front, look for Deuteronomy, and then turn to chapter 8, that page, and we can follow along with this. But Deuteronomy 8.10 says this, When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. And then this warning, beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, 
And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. I'd like to go back up to the phrase in verse 14. When your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Now, one of the dangers of God's blessings is that we take them for granted. And you watch people's lives. You know, you hear people talk about the good old days when we were young and we got married and we had nothing and we ate crackers and peanut butter and, you know, got coins together and went and those are the best times of our lives. And all of a sudden now they got money and houses and all this abundance. God who? Look what we did. And then the phrase down there in verse 17, then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. Verse 18, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroys before you, so you shall perish, because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. The dangers of forgetting where you came from, who you are, why you have what you have, how God has blessed you. The danger of getting so big, getting so arrogant, getting so proud and thinking, you know what, I had to pray like mad to get here, but we got it figured out now. Who needs God? Isn't it fascinating you find yourself when you're in a bad situation, desperate for God, praying for his help, praying for his mercy, then you accumulate some stuff, you get healthy, everything's okay, and you find yourself well, going, well, we don't need to ask, you know, we don't embarrass anybody. We don't need to ask God thanks for the food at the meals anymore. We don't need to pray about this decision anymore because you know what? We're so smart. We couldn't mess this up anyway. We got it going on. And you drift and you drift and you drift. And what happens? The fire that used to burn in your heart of dependence, of trust, of obedience begins to die down. If you've ever, on a cold night, been in a campfire, uh, camping out, or in a place where you had a, you know, a nice hearth, a good fireplace, I love building a fire. And I like tinkering with a fire. You know, I'm one of these people that can't just let a fire burn. I gotta be flipping logs and pulling them out and having things you know, blow up and just messing with the fire. And one of the intriguing things to me about a fire is I like it roaring, I like it going, I don't like it dying down. If it starts to go down, I'll put more fuel on it and keep it going. But at some point, late at night, midnight, one o'clock, you know, you can only put so much, you put your last logs on and you go to bed, make sure the screen's closed, you know, you don't start a house fire, forest fire. And then for me, one of the amazing things about a fire is waking up the next day. And I go in and there's this fireplace, nothing but dust. The fire's gone. But if you know anything about a fire and you've messed with one long enough, you know, number one, you don't shovel all those ashes into a bag of leaves because deep down inside those ashes sometimes are what? Embers. And if you'll stir that dust up a little bit, 
and you'll stoke those embers a little bit and put a little more fuel on there, then all of a sudden you got a fire. Now, I'd like you to think a minute about the word remember. And some of what I'm talking to you about today is the ember in remember. And part of remembering is stoking that fire, is going back to something you say, God, it's nothing but ashes. It's over. It's gone. I don't have a relationship with you. There's nothing happening anymore. It's dust. It's ashes. It's done. And the Holy Spirit comes along and says, well, maybe that's what you see and that's what you think, but watch this. And he starts poking that fire and poking those embers, and you start to remember And all of a sudden, that warmth and that glow and that heat and that passion starts to come back. And then you put some fuel on that fire and you say, yeah, and I remember this and I remember that. And what seemed to be dead and gone has life again, has fire again. Go to Psalm 103, a few pages to the right. Now, let me read you Psalm 103, a part of this at least. One of the wisdom psalms, praise for the Lord's mercy, a psalm of David. Verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And it's interesting here that he starts the psalm with bless the Lord, O my soul, but by verse 3, he's already talking about our and your. It goes from just me to a communal thing, to a community piece Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, you've got an insurance policy probably of some kind. Maybe you've got some health insurance. Not everybody does anymore. But if you've got some health insurance, one of the first things you want to ask when you say, well, it's going to cost what? And so you say, okay, but what are the benefits? Let me tell you something. Being a Christian has benefits. It is one thing to have some life insurance in the case of your death. Plenty of Christians have that. Let me tell you something. I got some health insurance when I got saved. There is something between here and heaven. There is a benefit to knowing God and walking with God, and I'm not healthy all the time. It isn't great all the time, but I'll tell you what, there is nothing like getting sick to make you appreciate being healthy. And every once in a while, I start feeling bad, and I've you know shared before, I've been sick enough where I thought I was going to die. And every once in a while now, out of nowhere where I'm not feeling bad, I find myself going, wow, God, I feel good today. I thank you for my health. Now, if you know your health comes from God, that he has blessed you, and you don't wait till a disaster hits you or you feel bad, you say, you know what, why would I wait to be sick to be grateful for my health? I'm going to be grateful for the benefits while I've got them. Don't take this stuff for granted. You say, well, that's stupid. That's silly stuff. Let me tell you something. If you stop thanking him for the silly stuff, you probably quit thanking him for everything. You thank him for the little stuff, you'll find yourself thanking him for everything. Don't wait to pray for your kids until they're sick. When you go to bed at night, say, Father, we're all here. One of the most amazing things to me at night, and and I try to pray with my kids, is we made it back in our house, all of us, one more time. I can't guarantee they're going to make it through the night, but for that brief moment, my kids are in the house, we're all in our beds, and all is well. That's something to be thankful for. Now, let me tell you why I know this works. Even hearing me talk about this and you think about it, those old embers start getting stoked in your remember. And you start feeling something. Go, I didn't walk in here feeling any of this. Why am I feeling something all of a sudden? Because the Holy Spirit of God stirs stuff up in us, and all these feelings are not that far away. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Let me just read you a few of them. Who forgives all your iniquities. You know what? That's plenty for me right there. I don't need any more. That was so astounding to me and still is to know that no matter what I do, he's going to forgive me. You can abuse that. But once you start appreciating that, you don't want to abuse that as much anymore. Who heals all your diseases. You know what? Anybody who gets healed of any disease, nobody heals diseases but God. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. I'm going to tell you something. If you just wake up every day and read Psalm 103, you're going to have a hard time sucking air all day. There's way too much to be thankful for, but we forget to thank. We forget to remember. It's interesting that word in verse 2 of Psalm 103, and forget not all his benefits. The Hebrew word means to forget, to cease to care. I just don't care anymore, God. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I mean, God is a genius. I guess that would go without saying. Think of how well he knows us and understands us. And part of who we are is that we just forget. And you think, well, there's no way. If Jesus comes to earth, born of a virgin, lives this sinless life, and they crucify him, and he sheds his blood, and he's buried and raised from the dead, and all that happens, nobody will ever forget that. When's the last time you were stirred by just those facts? Or something inside of you, it hits you all. Not the facts in your brain. And I used to, you know, people say, well, faith is not a feeling, it's a fact. Let me tell you something. That is true, but if your facts don't turn to feelings sooner or later, you got trouble. If the gospel does not stir your soul, does not stir your heart, does not do something to you, and people say, well, you cry and you do all that, let me tell you something. The day I quit crying, you better get rid of me because I'm up here just saying words. What I love about what I do, what I love about sitting down with somebody and sharing the gospel with them and talking about Jesus, my Jesus, our Jesus, is that something goes off in me. I can be having the lousiest day in the world and God say, all right, here's this person. Start, you know, tell them your story. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I start talking about and thinking about and what? Remembering what he did for me. And I'm toast right now. (laughs) Just thinking about it. Because the Holy Spirit comes along and says, okay, you want to remember? And boom, he gets that big old poker out and starts stirring up my hard, cold heart left to itself. It'll just be nothing but ashes. The book says he kind of takes ashes and turns them into what? Beauty. Beauty for ashes. Now, maybe you're feeling something, maybe you're not. You say, well, I'm only emotional because you get emotional. Well, maybe so. At some point, it's got to be your own stuff. It's got to be yours. It's got to be your heart. And God knew we'd forget. So he says, well, here's the deal. From time to time, and the great thing is, 
Most of the planet eats bread, and a lot of people drink wine. They drink something. A lot of people on the planet, America's gotten this messed up. We can't just have wine. We've abused that too. So now we've got alcoholism and, you know, we're not chasing the wine thing. But wine is not evil. If someone's thinking, oh, he's going to go off on the evil wine thing. Abusing anything can turn anything into a bad thing. But he knew if he took basic elements and he said, okay, not only am I going to tell you to do this, but here's the deal. Even with his 11 disciples, the 12, and then one walks out and goes and betrays him. But he sits down at a meal and he tells them, this is the deal, and takes the bread, and the whole Passover has symbolism anyway, but he takes the bread and he breaks it and thanks God and gives it to them and they partake and takes the cup, does the same thing. And all of this, he says, now look, when I'm gone, I want you to do this to remember me. So as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, look what it says there in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 28. Often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Literally, the taking of the bread and the taking of the cup preaches that Jesus died for us. And you have to stop and think about it and remember. And I've pointed out before, communion, the Lord's Supper, all of it, it doesn't emphasize the resurrection It is not to celebrate his resurrection because when he instituted it, he wasn't dead yet and he wasn't raised from the dead yet. But he said, I want you to remember that I died. And sometimes we jump ahead and say, oh, thank you, Lord, that you were raised from the dead and we never get him dead. Jesus had to die to be raised from the dead. And you got nothing. You got no salvation, nothing, unless he dies and sheds his blood. That's why it is so important to emphasize that. If you just say, oh, I believe Jesus was raised from the dead. When you're sharing your faith, the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It is not just the resurrection. And sometimes, I think most times, when people hear and understand that God sent his son and he died for me. And you've heard me say this over and over. The thing that I don't think I've ever gotten over and I hope I never do is that somebody died for me. I am alive and will live forever because someone else sacrificed their life for me. And I didn't deserve it, and I still don't deserve it, but he did it anyway. While we were yet sinners, he died for us. Before I was ever born, before the foundation of the world, he was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. God had made up his mind. Richard Ellis will be born. He will sin, and he will need me. I'll lay my life down. I'm coming after him because there'll be no hope without me. You say, well, you know, you're some preacher, you were raised, you don't know what I've done. I've raped people. I've killed somebody. Whatever your story is, you say, I'm way too far gone. You know what? If you're so far gone, why are you listening to me? And why is your old heart beating? And you're going, you know what? Maybe this will work for me. Maybe this is what I've been looking for. And the stupidest, most foolish story you've ever heard in your life, all of a sudden you think, this may be the answer. This may be what I've been looking for my whole life, not to be religious, but to have a relationship with a God who loves me and sent his son to die for me and be raised from the dead. Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr. said this, a man must get a thing before he can forget it. You can't forget something if you don't get it in the first place. Soren Kierkegaard said this, and I include this because I got some people in my own life that this applies to. Never cease loving a person And never give up hope for him, for even the prodigal son who had fallen most low could still be saved. The bitterest enemy, and also he who was your friend, could again be your friend. Love that has grown cold 
can kindle. I can name you a handful of people that I'm done with. And when I read that quote, I was done with. I'm tired of calling them. I'm tired of chasing them. I'm tired of loving them with nothing in return. And then the poker hits me again. And he reminds me. Yeah, so how does that fit in with my relationship with you when I came after you and you had no time for me and you wouldn't respond to me and I loved you and you wouldn't love me back? So what kind of example have I set for you, Richard, if you can't do it for somebody else? And against my will almost, and it's not, but I say, Lord, but I'm tired of this. I'm tired of loving people that don't love back. I'm tired of trying to help and they don't want to help themselves. And he says, well, now you know how I feel most of the eternity. Go back in there, love them anyway. Wait on them, be patient with them. And then where I was even trying to get a callus and trying to get cold and push them away and protect myself from rejection, he busts me wide open and I have to love these people. Second Peter chapter one, a couple more verses out of Second Peter and we're done. And this is Peter writing here. 2 Peter 1, 12, he says, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. So Peter says, you know and are established in the present truth, but I am not going to be negligent to remind you always of these things. Yes, I think it is right, as long as I'm in this tent, in other words, as long as I'm in this body, as long as I'm on the planet, to stir you up by reminding you, Knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. Moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. Stir up by reminding you. And then 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles, and of the Lord and Savior. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. Now, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to stoke you so you'll get stoked again. You listen to a sermon, you go on your merry way, you're out there, what are you gonna do this afternoon? What are you gonna do tonight? What are you gonna do tomorrow morning? It's gonna take more than one hit, somebody getting up and talking. You go to a Bible study, that helps remind us all. But you know what, sooner or later, you gotta figure out a way every day to find you a place and say, Lord, you know what? If there's gonna be a fire in this heart today, we're gonna have to get stoked again. And we're gonna have to spend a little bit of time and you say, well, I wouldn't know where to start. You say, read some Psalms. I'll tell you where to start. And I love black churches. I don't like churches that are just black or white or anything, but there's a tradition you hear in black churches especially. And when people start praying, they start with this. Lord, I want to thank you for waking me up this morning. Now, how much more simple can you get than that? Try screwing your day up without breath. 
You can't do the right or the wrong thing. If you're dead, I thank you for waking me up. I'm alive physically. And come to think of it, I'm alive spiritually. And without you, I'm going to get myself in all kind of trouble today because left to myself, I will forget. So I'm going to start out by remembering the basics. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love me enough to come to this planet, to leave heaven itself, that throne, be born of a virgin, come live a sinless life, and that you died for me. You shed your blood for me to get me eternal and abundant life, and that you were buried and raised from the dead. And because you died and you live, I'm going to live forever because I'm your child. You cannot have the same day if you just start with that. And then you say, God, I'm trying to spend some time in the Bible and I'm reading some stuff. And you read it and you say, well, nothing really hit me today, but I know I've got to do this and somewhere along the way it's going to make sense and I'm just doing the basic stuff. If you don't like the way your life's going and your heart's getting cold and it seems like there's nothing but ashes, why don't you just try something different? What do you got to lose? Sometimes you got to get stoked a little bit to get stoked about life. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.